I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers a little bit more about history every day. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're looking at the surprisingly controversial story behind one of the world's most beloved nursery rhymes. The day was May 24th, 1830. Mary's Lamb was released as part of a small book of children's poems written by Sarah Josepha Hale. The poem eventually took on new life as a musical nursery rhyme called Mary Had a Little Lamb. Music director Lowell Mason was the one who set the poem to its now famous tune in the 1830s. He also added the repetition of key lines and phrases to lengthen the song and help it better fit the melody. Mason's contributions are well agreed upon, but the authorship of the original poem has been the subject of a long and controversial debate. The title page of Sarah Hale's book, Poems for Children, clearly attributes Mary's Lamb to her. But more than 50 years after the book's release, a woman named Mary Sawyer claimed that Hale had only written half the poem. According to her, the first 12 lines of the 24-line work were actually written a decade and a half earlier by one of her former classmates, a boy named John Rollstone. Sawyer claimed he had written the poem based on a real-life incident from their childhood. 
The story goes that in March of 1815, nine-year-old Mary Sawyer was caring for an orphaned lamb on her family's farm in Sterling, Massachusetts. The lamb, which had been abandoned by its mother, was so weak and sickly that it couldn't stand up or even swallow food. The odds of its survival looked pretty grim, but Mary persevered, eventually managing to nurse the animal back to health. She reflected on that happy day many decades later, writing, quote, In the morning, much to my girlish delight, the lamb could stand, and from that time on it improved rapidly. It soon learned to drink milk, and from the time it would walk about, it would follow me anywhere, if I only called it. You can probably see where this is going. One day, Mary called to her lamb right before setting off to school. When the pet came to greet her, Mary's brother, Nat, suggested they let the lamb follow them to the one-room schoolhouse they attended. Mary concealed the little lamb in a basket beneath her desk, hoping that it would keep quiet and stay out of sight. The lamb cooperated at first, but when Mary was called on to stand up and read out loud for the class, the lamb jumped out of its basket to join her. The teacher is said to have laughed right along with her students, before warning Mary not to bring the lamb to school again, and to tie it up outside until class was over. According to Mary Sawyer, it was the very next day that an older boy named John Rollstone gave her a 12-line poem that he had written about the lamb incident. Mary was never able to produce the original copy she was handed, but in the 1880s, she claimed the lines were the same as those in Sarah Hale's poem. That would mean they read as follows. Mary had a little lamb. Its fleece was white as snow. And everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. It followed her to school one day, which was against the rule. It made the children laugh and play to see a lamb at school. And so the teacher turned it out, but still it lingered near, and waited patiently about, till Mary did appear. According to Sawyer, Sarah Hale somehow got a copy of Rollstone's poem 14 years later. She then added the final 12 lines of the poem as a way to incorporate a moral lesson about showing kindness to animals. The second half of the poem tells what happens when Mary finally reappears before the lamb. It goes like this. And then he ran to her and laid his head upon her arm, as if he said, I'm not afraid, you'll keep me from all harm. What makes the lamb love Mary so? The eager children cry. Oh, Mary loves the lamb, you know, the teacher did reply. And you, each gentle animal, in confidence may bind and make them follow at your call, if you are always kind. Mary Sawyer was 24 years old when Sarah Hale's poem was published in 1830. It's unclear when Sawyer first saw the poem, but she didn't come forward with her story until 1876, when she was 70 years old. By that point, she was convinced the poem was about her, and that the first half of it had been written by John Rollstone. Unfortunately, he was no longer alive to confirm or deny that story. Rollstone had died unexpectedly at age 17 during his freshman year at Harvard. Sawyer no longer had the poem he allegedly gave her, but that didn't stop her from claiming to be the Mary in the poem. 
1876, she used that claim to fame to raise money for Boston's Old South Meeting House, which had been damaged in a fire four years earlier. Sawyer participated in the fundraising effort by selling autographed cards that included a piece of yarn, supposedly made from the wool of Mary's little lamb. The cards were a popular item and helped bring attention to Mary Sawyer's claim. A few years later, Sawyer wrote down the poem she attributed to Rollstone, and it was identical to the first half of Sarah Hale's poem. Of course, by that point, Mary Had a Little Lamb was well known across the country, and Hale's version had been in print for 50 years, so the fact that Sawyer had knowledge of it in 1883 did very little to support her claim. Sawyer admitted to the press that she had no clue how Sarah Hale could have gotten Rollstone's poem. As far as she knew, she had been given the only copy, and she had lost it long ago. For her part, Sarah Hale maintained that she was the one and only author of the poem, and that she hadn't based it on a specific real-life episode. The dispute drew so much public attention that both women eventually signed sworn statements that their version of events was the truth. Unfortunately, the controversy was still unresolved when the women died, prompting residents of their respective hometowns to carry on the fight over authorship for decades to come. The feud was later intensified in 1927 when Henry Ford, of all people, injected himself into the debate. That year, he purchased Mary Sawyer's old schoolhouse and had it relocated to Sudbury, Massachusetts, where he hoped it would become a tourist attraction. Ford also published a book about Sawyer to help promote his endeavor. It was called The Story of Mary and Her Little Lamb and it attributed full credit for the original poem to John Rollstone. Ford wasn't privy to any historical facts that proved Sawyer's story, but it was her version of events, not Sarah Hale's, that provided a tangible object he could promote, the very schoolhouse to which Mary's little lamb had followed her. Ford's promotion kept Sawyer's story in the limelight throughout the 20th century, even though the story itself is less than convincing. I mean, don't get me wrong, I fully believe that Mary Sawyer had a pet lamb that followed her to school, caused a disturbance, and had to be put outside. I also believe that one of her schoolmates wrote a poem about the event and gifted it to her. But there's quite a gap between believing that and believing the claim she made nearly 50 years later. The truth is, there's no written record of Rollstone's poem. There's also nothing so unique about the poem's story that would tie it specifically to Mary Sawyer. In the 19th century, New England had no shortage of girls named Mary, orphaned pet lambs, or one-room schoolhouses. One such lamb followed Mary Sawyer to her school one day, but that was likely true of many other children in the area as well, including those named Mary. At the very least, it's a scenario that Sarah Hale could have easily come up with on her own. It's true that the last 12 lines of the poem are more message-driven than the first 12 lines, but that was a popular format for children's poems at the time. Like Aesop's fables before them, Hale's poems hooked the reader with an amusing scene or story, and then concluded by spelling out the deeper meaning or message of the tale. There's also the matter of Sarah Hale's character to consider. If Mary Sawyer was right, then Hale plagiarized half of her poem from a dead college student and then claimed the whole thing as her own. 
that simply doesn't fit with what we know about her life. Hale was the respected editor of a popular magazine, as well as an influential activist. She led a successful campaign to complete a monument to the Battle of Bunker Hill, and most famously, she played an instrumental role in making Thanksgiving a national holiday. It's hard to square that conception of her with Sawyer's accusation, and given the lack of evidence for the claim, maybe we don't have to. Today, Sarah Hale is generally attributed as the one and only author of Mary's Lamb, but there's often a caveat or asterisk along with that statement. It seems like an undeserved footnote to her legacy, and hopefully in the years ahead, it's one that'll be removed. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you want to keep up with the show, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can always send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done.